Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. And so tonight I just want to give us a lesson from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you need a copy of the notes, just raise your hand, we'll get them to you. And it's a story of Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and what took place during his reign. So Father, we thank you for this privilege of studying your word. We thank you for the anointing that's upon it, penetrate our very hearts and challenge our lives by it. We'll give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a look at verses 3 and 4 from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Here we have Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and they're really troubled because they have three armies coming against them. Now, they are literal armies here upon the earth at that time, but I like to call them the devil, the world, and the flesh. Enemies that really come against us today. Unseen enemies behind the forces of darkness, as well as our flesh and the world system. And Jehoshaphat, it, it was up there, we'll try that again, <laughs> feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And then verse 4, And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now, he was a good king, but he was also inconsistent when it came to his walk with God. This episode that took place here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is one of the most, let's say, one of the greatest acts of faith that he displayed. And we see it here listed for us so that we could look at it and understand it. Because just as they were attacked, we can also be attacked. You know, they were physically attacked. We can be spiritually attacked. But they were being attacked by three physical armies that had no good intentions in mind. They wanted to wipe them off the planet. As a matter of fact, anti-Semitism has gone on forever. Just wipe them out, wipe them out, get rid of them, wipe them out. Well, you know what's else happening? Anti-Americanism is also on the rise as well. You realize that? Mm-hmm. And just as we see what took place in, in uh, Israel with all the... Rockets that were fired their way, thousands of rockets with, no, once again, no good intention to destroy the people, to wipe them out, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, we see what's happening also in our country. We go back to 9-11. I'll be honest with you, I do believe because of the church's prayers and divine intervention that we've been uh, protected from even other acts of terrorism. And we need to continue doing so to be protected. But we also see that since our borders have been opened, these same people, whether Hamas um, as well, have access to come into our country and establish places uh, and strategies where you know, they can destroy, once again, our land. 
it's important that, you know what, we rise up as a church, as a body of Christ, and start recognizing some of, the, some of these things and put behind us policy and personality. I'm talking, I mean, put behind us personality and start leaning toward policy. You know, we need to keep those borders closed from these people that have no good intentions coming into our nation to destroy our lives. But anyhow, that's, in, that's for another day. We see here that they were concerned and they were in fear. And what's the first thing that we, he, we see him do? Number one, the first thing is we learn this lesson, fast. Fast. This doesn't mean that they had to fast forever. Actually, fasting in, in, in the Middle East there in Jerusalem, what they did was from six in the morning to six in the evening. Typically, that was a day's fast. And when you've got children involved, I'm sure it wasn't like a week-long fast. But they were concerned for their well-being, and they recognized they may not ever, ever eat again anyhow if they're going to get wiped out. But he said fast. Look at verse 3 again. He called for a fast. This is sad, but it's true. Many Jews do not believe in God. Did you know that? How many of you knew that? A lot of people think that because you're a Jew, you believe in God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, et cetera, et cetera. No. A rabbi from California, he was a senior rabbi there, questioning many of his Jewish friends, asking them about their belief in God, and many do not believe in God. They, they feel God let them down during the Holocaust. They feel that they've been persecuted, and et cetera, et cetera. And some said that they believe in nature. And they thank God for what they have because of nature. And when they prayed, they prayed to the God of life. Imagine that. They prayed to the God of life. Here we have the people that he established for himself. And Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Israel. But yet they don't believe. So here we see what happens is they're under attack. And the first thing he says, let's get everybody together to fast. At that time, they strongly believed that the way you seek the face of God was to put him first above everything else, including your lunch, and just getting on your face before God and fasting. And that's exactly what he did. Number two, we can see that he also wanted them to pray. And he began to pray. Look at the, the next verses here. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the court of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are not thou God in heaven? And rulest thought over all the kingdoms of the heathen. And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee. Notice how he begins his prayer. He acknowledges, number one, that he's the God of their fathers. And that's covenant talk. In other words, we know that we're in covenant relationship with you because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He then talks about his power. And his might and his creative abilities. You're the God of heaven. So in other words, he's identifying the fact that he is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He's the God of truth. And you're the God of all power and might. And so our eyes are upon you. So we're appealing to you. Even in this time right now, you know what? We could try to do all that we can in the natural. But we need to appeal to the God of heaven the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and take our place and do our part and take a stand, stand against the evil forces of darkness that basically have been unleashed, be it there, be it here, 
in, in our own nation. Because we're, our warfare is not with flesh and blood. It's with the powers of evil and the forces of darkness. And guess what? Who holds the key? We do. Jesus said, in my name, you'll do what? Take in devils. Entertain them. Support them. No, do what? Cast them out vehemently. Take a stand against these evil forces of darkness and let them know we know who we are in Christ and that we have the name of Jesus and they have got to desist. They cannot rule or reign, not where we're at anyhow. And then three, notice in verses 12 and 13. Our, oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Here we have a display of humility. So number one, fasting. Number two, praying. Number three, humility. It takes humility to recognize and understand the fact that, look, we're helpless. We can't do it. We can't trust in man. We can't trust in medical. Or, I'm sorry. We cannot trust in military powers. We can't trust in human intelligence as much as many want to. Right? We trust in the power of the living God, the creator of heaven and earth. And you know what? We're no match for what we're facing, but our eyes are upon you and you are more than enough. He is outlining for us and for them what needed to be done. Fast. Seek the face of God. Pray. Acknowledge. Matter of fact, that prayer reminds me of Acts chapter 4 when they said, Lord, you made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And they went on to say, stretch forth your hand to heal through signs and wonders and demonstrate your mighty power and glory. That's what they appealed to heaven for. Beloved, that's what we need to see right now. Appreciate your enthusiasm. <sighs> humility. They sought the Lord and his deliverance with humility and dependence. Look at the next verses, 14 through 17. They needed direction. They needed guidance. Nothing is, is just, these are all important. But how important is it to do what God wants us to do in a given situation? Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite, sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation and said, Hearken ye all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you. Listen to those words right there. Thus saith the Lord unto you. You know, when those words are released through the lips of a prophet, they better come to pass. Because if they don't come to pass, it means death. Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerul. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Somebody say amen. Amen. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Hallelujah. 
You talk about assurance, encouragement. You talk about people that are looking to God and they get an answer like that. You talk about excitement to know that God said you don't have to fight in this battle. It's my battle. I will take care of it. You know, one of the most difficult things we have to do is to just release things over to God and just say you handle it. Because we want to take it upon ourselves to do our part. If he tells us there's something we need to do, then we need to do it. But if he says, stand still and watch me work, oh my goodness, roll up your sleeves, get out the popcorn, sit back, kick back, and watch him work. Hallelujah. When God's mightily at work like that. So we have to remember now, it's important that we understand that God will give direction as to what we're supposed to do in situations like this, and that's exactly what he gave for them to do. And look at the next one. Faith. Number five, verse 20. Faith. And they arose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. That's faith. Believe in the Lord your God. And so shall you be established. Believe in his prophets and so shall you prosper. And once again, the prophet's position in the Old Testament differs from the New Testament. Back in the Old Testament, they were foretelling. In the New, they are forthtelling. And God spoke by the prophets during that time. But thank God he can speak to us through his word and by his spirit because we all have the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the prophets though of today. He can still speak through prophets. But it's important we recognize the fact that if he is, then what they say must come to pass. If they don't say what, comes, if what they say doesn't come to pass, hmm, look out. So let's never forget that. So they must believe. We must believe. So even though God says something, we've got to believe it. Look at the next verse. Look how much they believed it. Actions. So we learn the importance of actions. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers and the Lord, that she, they should praise the Lord, uh, should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. You, you realize how much power is in that last statement? Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Glory to God, There's, that's power packed. That's what they were set out to do. And then look at the next one. Actions, faith without works is dead being alone. And then God responds. And when they began to sing, and when they began to complain, and when they began to murmur, and when they began to cry, and keep their focus and attention on all of what's going on around them. No, and when they began to sing and to praise, are you ready to sing and praise tonight? The Lord sent ambush, ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Only God can do this. Oh, would to God that we could learn how to apply the principles like these to see God mightily at work. I, knew, I, I, I guarantee you, I do believe he's just saying, look, would somebody just get me involved by using your faith? And this last one, I threw that in there because it's important. Uh, vigilance. Vigilance. You know, King Jehoshaphat became complacent even after that, and he allowed some idols to stay there in Judah. Then he aligned himself with the king, the northern king of Israel, and got rebuked for it by a prophet. What does that show us? Our frailty. How frail are we? That you can see a mighty work of God take place the way they saw and then 
still become complacent and have to be rebuked. I'm glad we're living in the New Testament. I thank God for the equipping that we have of the Spirit. I thank God that we can be filled with the Holy Ghost, receive our direction from the Lord, receive our direction from the Word of God, pray in the Holy Ghost, and use the mighty name of Jesus to stand against every attack of the enemy that comes our way. And do so successfully. Not that we're anything in ourselves. Other than those that know the power of the name of Jesus, they know the covenant that we have with the living God. And we understand, praise God, that it's not by power nor might of human strength or ability or resources or wealth. It's by the power of the living God. And the resource that we have comes from Him. And thank God our boast is not in our strength, not in our wisdom, not in our finances, but in the name of Jesus. Thank God we exalt that name and we expect the power of that name to yield tremendous results as we proclaim it and declare it in faith. Praise God. He's given us the greatest name in all the universe to use. There's no other name. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And when Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, the good news, to every creature in the world. You're going to be in opposition along the way. You're going to have trouble along the way. You're going to have all kinds of uh, tribulation along the way. But you know what? Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So I want you to use my name and cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up surplus. If you drink anything, it won't hurt you. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Praise God. You've got the name above every other name. And there's no power on earth more powerful than that name. Hallelujah. Glory to God.